You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 166, solar-powered roads, Atari 2600, Amazon, and E3, and Tim Hates Soccer. And it is tech fan number 166. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by uh, David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. We've been podcasting a long time together, my friend. We have. I we have. Was, uh, I had my iTunes library on random play yesterday or the day before. I for- no, it was yesterday. And I came across an episode of Geekiest Show Ever that we started way, way back in 2009. Well, it's one for the vaults. Yeah, and this episode was, uh, it was about 1984 that year, and how significant it was. Uh, it was episode number 22, it was released uh, December 18th, 2009. So that's that's a long time ago, really. You know, here's a weird thing. Do you not find, as, as I, this is something I've noticed you get older, that you, you think about 2009 2010 you know i think that was just a couple of that, that wasn't long ago right and then you then you stop and realize hell that was a long time ago yeah you're yeah, six years ago yeah when you think about it as our kids and what their age was at that time you realize wow that was a long time ago look how big they are now <laughs> yeah you know so it, it was a fun episode there was a lot of uh heavy editing there was 12 minutes at the end of the the most popular songs from the radio uh, a, a mix of those at the end. Uh, I had this whole beginning where I did the Ghostbusters theme and some movie quotes. It was a fun episode. And it kind of made me a little nostalgic and wish that we could still do that show. Uh, obviously, somebody else is doing Geeky a Show Over Now, and we don't even have time to do it. But those kind of shows where we just pick a topic that's very geeky and talk about it, that was a lot of fun. It sure was. Missed we, that. We should do some of those things here again. Okay. Find a tech theme that loosely ties it together. <laughs> yeah, the history of the sewing machine. Yeah, or... there you go. That would be killer. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, no, no. Honestly, that would have me in stitches. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you see, I line swoosh. them up, you knock them down. <laughs> Speaking of knocking them down... Uh, Tesla knocked down their patents. Well, not really. I don't know if you saw the story or not, David. But I did. Um, Tesla comes out and they—they're not releasing their patents. They still owe, own them. But what they're basically saying is, if anybody releases technology using their patents, as long as it doesn't hurt their business, they're not going to sue. Which. On face value, so just just to put my slightly cynical out for yeah. a minute here, yeah. On face value, that sounds great, but then you think about it. Well, hang on a minute. Surely the whole reason of having a patent is to stop somebody from doing something that infringes on your business. Well, that is, <laughs> I think, what he's trying to do. If if I can wear the white hat for a moment, yeah, is he wants to try to steer business away from the way business has always been. And really open things up, not worry so much about c- 
competition, but the ecosystem as a whole. And if you do step back and you do look at the ecosystems, patents kind of hurt. Uh, they do stifle creativity. Um, and competition is always a good thing. But yeah. by the same token, you look at what Samsung did against Apple, uh, you know, outright stealing ideas and design. Is that what you want then with no patents? Or, <laughs> you know, there's a fine yeah. line there. So I think, I, I mean, the sp- I imagine the spirit of what, what he wants to do. And, and let's face yeah, this is a guy who has is, is inventing and investing in huge, life changing, world changing industries. Electric car is a world changing industry. Yep. The space exploration stuff he's doing is a, is world cha- potentially world changing as well. You know, I'm, I, he is Tony I, Stark, except the yeah. nerdy. Not a good-looking Tony yeah, Stark. That's right, and he doesn't have any armor. No, he, well, he, that but, we know of. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's his next project. Um, the uh, and the armor will be patented up the wazoo. Um, he, you know, look, this is a guy who wants to improve the world, and I applaud him for that. This guy's made a lot of money, and rather than sitting back and spending it on um, luxury yachts and everything, right. yeah, he's. He's uh, why does everyone always think about the luxury yacht when they? Uh, because I we, guess that's because we yeah. don't have a, a yeah. Well, because they well, to go off the rails here for a second, and we've talked about this before. There used to be a time where the stuff that we use every day was way out of our price range, and it was toys only for the super rich, giant TVs, great big computers that are super powerful. Um, these things are commonplace now. Phones that are computers. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the yacht, what, what yeah. is a luxury item now? Well, well yachts. Yeah. <laughs> Helic- the yacht, yachts and helicopters. Right. Or, or a yacht with a helicopter. Anyway, to get back into where, what I, where I was kind of going with this, um, yeah, he, he, he wants to change the world. He wants to improve the world. And I think what he's trying to say with this is that he'd far rather his competitors – be working on the same sort of technology that that um, Tesla does, than um, not doing anything with it at all, or not even going close to it because they're worried about getting sued by Tesla. Right. So that's fine. The the I think what concern there's two things that concern me about this. First of all, is is yeah, it's fine to say well we won't unless you infringe you know unless you you compete too too hard with us. That's a tough line to to decide where it where it stands. And secondly. He is a very small fish in a very big pond in the car industry, and we've already seen. We talked about it a few weeks ago how the the giants of the car industry will do anything to prevent him from competing with them. Yep. You know, by preventing him selling to to his customers in certain states. So it's fine in principle, and he has the moral high ground. But if they decide to use this to kind of try and stomp all over Tesla, um he may find that he's coming off worse in that because uh, they have bigger pockets. So uh, that, that's, that's my concern really. Um, Pretty interesting to see the, how it plays out. Uh, yeah. I'm very interested. I think that he's in an enviable position that the big automakers worldwide, not just us ones, but worldwide envy in that pretty much anything he says is newsworthy. I mean, if you look at GM, uh, their new, uh, CEO, she's for all intents and purposes a really great leader, and the only time she ever gets press is when she's firing people who cause the death of others because of neglect. Um, that's the big story I, in GM lately. I don't, I don't even know who 
uh, see if General Motors is. And, that's and, and no, that's how anonymous she is. Yeah, right. yeah. But yet everyone knows who Elon Musk is. Yeah. I mean, and why? Because he's doing innovative things. He's taking chances. It's not the status quo. And that's what you get with every other automaker out there of significance. Yeah. You know, and, and he's a rock star and they're not. So when he comes out with something like this, it gets the press's attention. It, it makes the news. And I think he's trying to harness that popularity for the betterment of everybody, not just Tesla or SpaceX or, uh, you know, the, the super subway system or whatever the hell elevated train project that he's talked about in the past. You know, he's actually trying to do good. Whether it, he's successful at it, I think, in, in some respects, is almost immaterial. He's getting people talking. He's getting people thinking. And if people are thinking and talking, maybe that will be followed up by action. Because, I'll be honest with you, David, worldwide, it feels like we're in the stagnant period. You know, yes, we just had E3, and we could talk about that in a little bit. But it's just more video games. Um, we just had, you know, the the Worldwide Developers Conference for Apple. And it's just, you know, slight upgrades to their operating systems. It's it's not a really a, a game changer uh, worldwide. We're not getting new computers, not really. We get some speed bumps and a little better displays. But they're not all that different than what we had five years ago. I feel yeah, like this- things are kind of stagnant. There's nothing exciting. I mean, the most exciting thing I saw, and we talked about this, was uh, solar-powered roads. I mean, mm. that was an idea I thought was just brilliant. And and what the execution of solar-powered roads worldwide could really do for communications, for for power consumption, for generating power, for safety... I mean, it's just, it's game-changing. It, it moves an entire civilization technologically farther ahead. And it helps our planet. But I think it's playing the sky. No one's going to do anything about it. Because yeah. too many people are just happy enough with the status quo. And nothing really changes. I mean, is the world all that significantly different than it was just 10 years ago? Well, in some respects, I think it is actually. I, th- I think it's easy to become jaded and, and forget what things were like 10 years ago. Somebody popped you in a time machine, took you back 10 years ago, and you tried to go about your daily life, you would, there'd be a hell of a lot of things you'd miss. Well, 2004, I would miss easy access to the internet wherever I was, i.e. Yep. no iPhone, no Android. Um, GPS was more expensive, but I could still get around. Uh, the yeah, cars but- that we drive weren't much different in quality or gas uh, mileage. Uh, well, the roads actually, were a little better here, anyways. Actually, <laughs> actually, I think I think you'd find it's easy to to not realize how much things have changed. I think if you went back to two thousand and four, you'd find things were substi- substantially different. For a start, try and do without those things. Here's an experiment: put the phone away, yeah, disconnect your internet, yeah, and and just well, spend I had a couple of. And f- I had internet. I had high speed internet in two thousand and four. Huh? I've had it since ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, go back, go back to a Mac running Panther. <laughs> you know, go and get a get, get an old PowerBook. 
a G4 Powerbot running Panther, which is what you were running back then. But it's just not trying... life-changing, though. No, the, the point is, is all of these things that... It, it's like death by a thousand cuts. All of these things, these incremental changes, actually accumulate to a much better lifestyle than what you had back then. Uh, gas mileage as well. It's easy to, when cars incrementally um, improve year over year over year. It, it's it's hard to remember how sucky it used to be. Yeah, but most how, people don't buy a new car every few years. Most people have a car for an average of five, well, four to five years. Right, so if you're going back ten years, then yep. you would you would have a car two generations old than what you have today if you buy new. If you go back to a car that's ten years old and see how efficient it is compared to what what you, what you drive today, if you're driving a new car, then you'll find it's it's night and day. It'll be it'll be noisier. It'll be uh, less efficient. It won't be as nice to drive. It will have less safety features on it. They'll have fewer airbags. You you just don't a lot of this stuff you don't notice. It's kind of hidden in the background, but I think if you had the sudden shock of, of you know, it's like when you when you when you've not seen a friend for a few years, and all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you've lost weight, or you've put weight on, or whatever it is. Whereas if you were seeing them every day, you probably wouldn't notice. It's it's that sort of change. I think there's a lot of incremental improvements that we don't notice because they're happening. They are happening so slowly. That's true, but I still feel like there's no one thing that we have that we can hold up and say, look at this. Oh, 2004, there was no iPhone. There was no iPad. Yeah, but those are, was, you know, they're not making huge differences worldwide. They're not well, moving our species anywhere. Well, well I think I in mean, the 60s and the early 70s, you know, at least they had a the space program. They were going to space. They were landing on the moon. Yeah, I mean, but those felt were, like something those was were, happening. Yeah, those, were, those things, though, weren't, they were, they were, interesting big temple projects but they weren't on a day-by-day basis changing everybody's lives the improvements that came out of the space program were exactly those things i'm talking about small incremental improvements as those technologies filtered down teflon and nylon and velcro and all of these things kind of slowly seeped out in time many years after that we went to the moon they didn't just all hit in one go i think it's you see this in the tech press nowadays. You know, when's Apple going to do the next big thing? When are they going to enter new market? All this sort of thing. People expect those big things to happen all the time. In fact, they're actually quite rare. I agree. And the rest of the time, it's just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Right. But the difference is people were inspired then. Yeah. Well, the, people are as inspired um, as they used to be. No, they're not. not. By personal stuff, sure. But I'm talking about as a, as a species. But I think... The whole world at the moment is going through a very, very jaded time. We've I mean, just we've been it, at war here in the United States and the UK for the last ten years. Yeah, well, a fifteen, nearly twenty years. That yeah. the whole, the whole of the um, you've got to remember the mid nineties. So we had the fall of the Soviet Union. Yep. Fall of the Berlin Wall. Yep. All of a sudden, was, that was at eighty nine, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but but kind of the fallout from that yep. really didn't take, gather pace. I mean, Russia didn't really get its act together to the mid-90s. Right. So so we had that decade of the 90s where things that had been established for a long time disappeared. Yeah. It was exciting. And towards the end of that, we had in tech, we had the, the dot-com boom, we had the internet, rise of the internet, all that sort of thing. But then come the turn of the century, what did we have? We had we had 9-11. Yep. We, had, we had the start of uh, ongoing war. Yeah, we we then had uh, leading up through that decade. We're not just as we were starting to kind of 
straighten that out to get to the point where we're actually getting somewhere with those those campaigns. Then we had the biggest global financial crisis we've seen since the Wall Street crash. And we're still not out of that now. We're still recovering from that. So I think all of these things kind of have, have led to – I think there is a bit of a malaise and, and a disenchantment with, with the world and where it's going. And now we're dealing with the spectre of climate change and what the uncertainty that that comes. Uh, and, of course, you know, a very large proportion of people who are, who are sticking their head in the sand and deciding it doesn't exist. Or, 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 or if it does exist, it's not going to affect us. So we've got all of that to deal with as well. So I think everyone is cynical and jaded and – tired and we look when someone like elon musk comes out with this kind of an announcement bigger news than maybe it should be maybe i think we need somebody like that who's not just an entrepreneur with a lot of money changing changing things in small parts of society we need world leaders who are like that and we don't why i thought solar powered roads would be awesome yeah i mean think about if and if anybody listened to this hasn't isn't up to date with with the Kickstarter that happened and the video that accompanied it, and uh, you, you should educate yourself. I'll let me put a note in here. Um, I'm going to put in solar powered roads, so I remember to put the link. Solar powered roads. So anybody listen to this, go to uh, techfanpodcast.com and uh, look for show 166, and I have a link to the video. And it wasn't so much the video, but for me, the the concept, David, that our roads... See, we have so many more roads here in the United States than you guys do. Um, We have a lot of roads as well, though. Yeah, but your country is so much smaller. Yeah, we have have them more concentrated than than you guys have. I mean, I can get on I-94 and literally drive for two days. And I'm still on I-94. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a long road. Um, we have all these roads that do nothing for us beyond, you know, breaking and cracking and we got to fill potholes. And after the winter we just had here in the Midwest, we have more potholes than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's it's really, really bad out there. What if we had roads that were made out of solar powered cells that generate electricity um the side of the roads is built in power so we don't have telephone poles anymore that go down when a a squirrel releases gas and a branch accidentally moves and you know what i mean it goes down easy and Mm -hmm. we have data high speed data anywhere there's a road i mean there there's so many problems with it (laughs) the cable companies would fight tooth and nail the electric companies would fight tooth and nail but it would generate thousands of jobs in every community anywhere here there anywhere um it would foster new jobs after the roads were built to maintain them it would start new industries it would be incredible it it would I, I I look at this and, and I think it's a fabulous idea. I look at this and I see 50 years of R&D before it's real. Possibly. But if we were, if we were starting to move down that path, I think oh, uh, it would yeah. be inspiring that people I, I think behind yeah. the project. I think, I think it would be amazing to do that. I mean, my, my questions are immediately, 
how much does this cost over a normal road to build? More, uh, but it but it produces power when it's done, so it pays for itself within just a couple of years. Well, that's the problem with that is that's all that's always on the basis that it works as advertised. It doesn't and that, have to work everywhere, but because of the size of them, it's going to be working in enough places that where it's not working, where it's cloudy and you're not getting a lot of sunlight, it's working on other places so you can distribute the power. I, I just I just believe that the the scale up required for in the engineering to take this from um, I'm looking at a parking lot here they built that does it and that sort of thing to a road that takes trucks and cars and traffic jams and accidents and uh, crazy people and you know cigarette butts and all the other things that the roads deal with right. I to me that that needs a lot more development than just proving that that uh, you know what what I'm seeing here is a is a proof of concept right. and and the proof of concept is great um, but I think there's a long way to go from having a proof of concept to actually turning it something that can roll out everywhere. I agree with and you. That I being... would love I would love to see the kind of investment in the, this sort of technology that we get in nuclear power stations and you know, weapons of mass destruction and missiles and ca aircraft carriers and all the other stupid things that our government spend money on rather than stuff like this. But I, I, I just worry in today's climate that it will never happen. Well, that's a different matter entirely. I would say, what would you rather be a part of? What do you think would be easier? To do solar-powered roads with the technology that we have right now or to send three people to the moon and back with basically the uh, power of an Atari 2600. Oh, well, I think, I think we'd have a much easier time of it now. Yeah. We need a strong leadership. To yeah, get us we, need, we need somebody to, to sell this and, yeah. and, and say, this is something we're committing to. The problem is, is in today's polarized climate, anybody, any leader who tries to propose this will get shot down as, oh, we're wasting money and it's a pipe dream and all the all the arguments I've just given you would be used by by the people who want to maintain the status quo and the and the lobbyists and the, um, you know, the vested right. interests to United say... In the United States, we would need a bipartisan leadership group that would yeah. be very vocal and would be intolerant of those who try to fight it who would fight back twice as hard. You punch I me, I punch yeah. you three more times to knock your ass out. That's I the think, kind of leader yeah. that we need to get a project like this that benefits mankind. I think one of the flaws in many of these Kickstarter-type projects is they're aimed at the wrong market. I agree. They, you shouldn't be doing this in the West because there are too, there are too, there is too many politics, too many yep. vested interests. You know what, what you should happen? Africa. Third world. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Take this to them and say, let's try this. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about getting you know Ghana or somewhere who, who doesn't who doesn't have a no. yeah South doesn't Africa. have a group. No, but even even no, it probably wouldn't. Right. South Africa is almost like a Western country yeah, now. Is. Yeah, you would have to go to somewhere where you are you do have leaders who who inspire more um, faith in their communities than our You know where it would work do. really well and who it would benefit a, a great deal and they could do it? Israel. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, they erected a giant wall, dude. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I think I think in Israel, uh, I, I know a fair bit about the politics of Israel. In Israel, it's easy to get through through if you argue they're they're for defence. I think there are plenty of other things where it's not so easy to get things through. Yeah. Um, Maybe South Korea, Japan. No, I don't think anywhere industrialized. I think you have to go further down the chain than that. Yeah. But I think what you need to do is be able to roll it out on a big scale and prove it works because then it becomes far more compelling. And to, to do that, you'd have to go to a country that had a weak economy and you'd have to say, right, well, we're, we're not going to expect you to pay for this. You know, you're going to have to be an Elon Musk who's got the financing or could raise the international financing to pay for it on the basis they'll get a return when it when it finally does hit the West. You couldn't go to a third world country and say, oh, yeah, all those people who haven't got medicine and water and all that sort of thing, um, give me some of their money so we can build a solar powered road. But if you could get it in, and I think it'd be easy to get it in a place like that and prove it works then I think you've got a much more compelling argument. I mean, if it were me, when it comes to solar, I and I've said, said this to people before, I don't understand why nobody is not building out from the countries that surround the Sahara Desert, where it's sunny all the time, and is not just basically turning that empty piece of land into a, the world's largest solar farm, and we power the entire world off that belt. Yeah, it's been discussed. The biggest problem there um, really is the storage of the power. Well, that's that's where we need investment and yep. research technology. Yep. Because let's face it, one of the problems with we have at the moment with the with the reason we're in this situation with fossil fuels is because we burn on demand, um, and if we can't if we can't use it when it's burnt when it's burnt we throw it away that's we throw right. the we literally throw the electricity away if we can't use it at the time it's needed yep. time it's generated. So what we need to do is invent if we had energy storage then we could use all sorts of green uh, energy technologies and just store it up for when we need it. That's right. You know. I'm telling you, David, the more we do this show, the more I think we should just be in charge of everything. Yeah. Hey, we'd get uh, shit done. Screw running Microsoft. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need to be world empress. That's right. We'll get to, we'll partner with Apple. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll start with a small American town. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Something where there's snow too, because that's yeah. part of the whole. These roads are heated, yeah. So you never have to shovel your driveway or your sidewalk or your road. Boop, it's done. A lot of people are going to feel like they're inconvenienced because we're partnering with Apple. Everybody in town gets a free Mac and an iPad and an iPhone. Yeah, and and a set Beats headphones. We'll have that's Dr. Right. Dre. Well, we'll you have, know, we have Dr. Dre on the board, so yep. we can keep it real. Yeah, and because he's got ties <laughs> with Eminem, he writes a theme song for it. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> and then Mrs. Smith is... <laughs> um, yeah, I think we've got this looked, man. I, I don't see the problem anymore. You, me, and Dre. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of getting something licked, Amazon is still taking a licking in the press when it comes to the tactics they used. But it's it's bigger than we thought it was, David. Um, now, we're talking about when... We talked, what, two weeks ago now? Three weeks? Yeah. Uh, uh, I almost said Apple. Amazon is in this kind of public fight with Hatchet. They want a better deal. They want to sell books cheaper. Hatchet's like, no. And uh, Amazon's making it very difficult to purchase Hatchet products through their site. And, of course, that's irritated a lot of writers, made a lot of them very angry, they're being very vocal about it. And we do have uh, listener feedback on this from Guy Searle, the host of the MyMac podcast. We'll get to that uh, at the at the uh, top of the second segment. But 
here we go again. Amazon is now stopping advance orders for movies from Warner Brothers because they are in the same fight with Warner Brothers. So this one isn't about books. This one's about movies. And like the big one right now is the Lego movie. You can't pre-order it on Amazon. It comes out next week. Amazon is effectively telling their shoppers, get it somewhere else. Yep. I don't see Amazon coming out ahead at the end of all this. Well, I, I, I think the game they're playing here is that oh, we're talking about this in the tech press. There's been a couple of stories in the mainstream press as well, but it, it's not a big story. It's not, and, but the longer and, this goes on, well, could, yeah, that that's the that's the game they're playing. That's the the gamble they're taking. But I think they're probably saying ninety nine percent of our customers have no idea this is going on and don't care. So, uh, I because we've all had that we've all had that experience of going to Amazon to look for something in particular and you can't find it. It's yeah. not there. They don't stop. They like to be the shop for everything, but they don't have everything. And sometimes they do have the thing you want, but they don't sell a lot of it, so it's expensive, so you don't buy it from there as well. Interestingly enough, I'm looking on the Amazon UK website, and you can pre-order the movie here. Mm -hmm. So it's a US rights issue. So actually, it's a smaller market than the whole of Amazon across the world. Um, So I think they're just taking the gamble, saying, well, this is... is, uh, Amazon is behaving... A lot of this goes on in business, and we don't know about it. Supermarkets like this all the time. They squeeze their suppliers farmers, um, middlemen, wholesalers, they squeeze them down to get the deals they want. And if they don't get the deals they want, they don't stock their products. They stock something else. And that's why sometimes you'll go and buy, go to try and find your favorite brand of potato chips or beer or something like that, and you won't find them on the shelves. And then, then you have to make a decision, do I buy something else or do I um, just leave it and, and, and not buy it there? And with you know there's probably a 50 50 split between people who say well you know it's not my brand but i'll go and buy something else uh, and other people who say oh well okay so i can't get it here i'll have to pick it up from somewhere else yep. i think amazon is amazon are playing the numbers and obviously they have the sales data and they've they've calculated that it's more in their interest to hold out for the deals they want than to um than to uh, capitulate and stop the products anyway and avoid upsetting their customers. At least with the Lego movie thing, they while they're not taking pre-orders, they're not doing the, the kind of the really sketchy stuff they're doing with the books where you order the book and then they say, oh, well, you know, can't, you can't get, get it. Instead. Yeah, we can't get it to you for six weeks. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, we can give you this tomorrow. I mean, that that is that is really where I had the absolute problem with them. I, I I recognize Amazon's right not to have to stock everything at a price they're not willing to pay. Especially when you look at how much money Amazon made compared to what the profit was last year alone. Everybody you know and everybody I know uses Amazon, right? Yeah. They should be making in profit a billion dollars a year. They're not. Last year they made right around $375 million dollars. And profit for a company the size and the influence that they have amazon should be profiting a lot more than they are now yes 375 million dollars that's a lot of money apple made that in like three weeks 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but, less than that. They yeah, made that in like but, two weeks. But that's Am- that is Amazon's game. Yep. They they want their prices to be as cheap as possible, so their margins become extremely low and they trade on volume. Yep. And as well, they drive an awful lot of investment into the business. So they're constantly trying to improve their But As far as they're concerned, they're still on the growth curve. They're yep. not plateaued. I think as well with, with – it's difficult with the books, but, but here with the um, – with the movies, you can get the Lego movie on Amazon streaming. Yeah. I, I think that they're also taking a calculation here that, you know, DVD sales is, is old business. It's going away. It's in decline. It is big time. And, and, and therefore, they're not prepared to cut their noses in order to, to offer that product. You know, the funny thing is when I first read about this, I thought, this has got to be an old story because I've already bought the Lego movie. Then I, like two weeks ago, and then I realized, oh, I got that on iTunes, the digital yeah. copy. So, in, we, in our we, family, it, I don't even DVDs aren't even a blip on our radar anymore. Neither is Blu-ray. Everything I buy when yeah. it comes to movies is 100% digital now. I don't buy it any other way. And let's face it, with this one, unlike the the Hachette thing, we don't really know the the, the terms of the beef between Amazon and Warner. Right. So we don't know what it is. For all we know, it could be Amazon turning around and saying, well, you know what? We want to release a DVD at the same time it's available on streaming. Yep. And Warner are turning around and saying, oh, no, we don't do that. We have to we have to segment our market. And those are different people. And, and of course, actually what it is is they're, they're, really, they're really hoping that you'll buy – but you'll rent the movie on streaming and like it so much you'll buy a DVD and they'll hit you twice for the money. Right. Uh, and, uh, and maybe Amazon is saying – that's that's not our model. That's not the way we want to work. We want to offer the th- offer the thing on the same on different formats on the same day. And um, and Warner are saying no. So maybe that's the reason why. I maybe, don't know. But um, the problem with Amazon is they now have a track record of this, and I don't think they're going to get from a lot of people the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying yeah. to keep an open mind about it myself because I simply don't know. Um, and I don't blame Amazon or I don't hold a grudge against Amazon because of what they're doing unless they're doing something underhanded. Yeah. I think they were definitely doing something a little underhanded with Hatchet. I just simply don't know enough about the Warner Brothers thing to say either way. I just I don't know. And and maybe who knows, maybe if they hadn't received so much public pushback on, on the on the Hatchet deal, then maybe they would be more hardball with Warner over this. Who knows? Yeah. The point the point is uh, I think this will continue to happen until either it becomes a big enough story that everybody knows about it, in which case Amazon will probably modify their position. Or alternatively it happens with enough of their suppliers that people start to notice. Because Amazon ubiquity of supply from Amazon is their big thing, and if that starts to be affected, then they will have to change the way they deal with their with their suppliers. But they they've got all the power here. Speaking of power, let's uh, take a quick break. We can recharge our power. Listen to a ad for another show here in the Stoplight Network, and David and I will be right back. Here we go. Curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the NintendoClubPodcast.com website for more information. 
Back here on Tech Fan number 166, Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. And if you want to reach out to us, the best way of doing that is to simply send an email. You can send it to either Tim or David, either one of those, at techfanpodcast.com or go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message, um, if you will, right underneath the show notes that you're uh, discussing. And we do have feedback this week, and we're going to get to that in a minute. That's from Guy Searle. He hosts the MyMac Podcast, another show here on the Stoplight Network. That's actually where David and I started podcasting. And, uh, you know, David, I, I don't know about you, but E3 was last week. Um, technically, <laughs> everybody wants to talk about games at E3, so that's what happened, and nobody seems to care. I don't it know, was, is E3 really about the new hardware? That's what gets all the press. That's what gets everyone excited. We got I, all new hardware, and now no one I, seems I to be talking about it. I find myself in a peculiar position in that, you know, this will be the third cynical thing I've said on this show. <laughs> I missed the cynic this week. Um, but, yeah, it just... It it did, there was nothing that came out that really excited me. I talk, and 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 I I thought self so, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a bit tired, a bit jaded. So I talked to a couple of people I know who are big gamers, and I said, oh, you know, what do you think of E3? E3, and they went, oh, you know, a lot of it was the same kind of stuff we've always seen, and no, it didn't really do very much for us either. I talked to you earlier in the week, yep. um, and said, you know, this business. Oh, I think we mentioned it on a previous show this business about all these big. Uh, tentpole games for the new gen consoles not coming out till next year is a big problem uh and I, even the stuff that's due this year i was surprised like destiny's this big uh this big launch that sony's depending on now this game is due september yep we're now in uh june and they launched at the show an alpha build of it and i, I hear that and i think okay so it's going to go from alpha to finished in two and a half months no. It is Bungie, though. They call something an alpha. Uh, to be honest, Bungie's alpha is everybody else's late beta. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, there's still... There's still uh, you, you've also got to factor into that, uh, you know, you've got to get the gold master done, and you've got to get the thing made and distributed and My packaged. And into the stores. Destiny and- is an online game only. There really isn't a single player. Or am I incorrect on that? Well, I, I'm not, I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I, all I know about the game is it's in the future. Some kind of artifact came. We had a great society. I on thought a few different I, planets, and then aliens showed up and blew the crap out of it, and then they left. But they're coming back now. And well, yeah, some my, my humans that are superheroes or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's basically it is an online version, big online version of Halo. Well, that's what I was thinking because you know Bungie is the company that made Halo. Uh, it's 365 Studios is in charge of it now, and that's owned by yeah. Microsoft because Microsoft basically bought Halo from Bungie. And what Bungie had been saying for a while is they wanted to do something different. They didn't want to just do you know another Halo game. And they also wanted to expand on other platforms, which simply means they want to be on the PS4 too. So I was expecting something really different. Here's these creative minds. And if you look at the history of Bungie, most people listening to this think, when they think of Bungie, they think of Halo, right? Well, they did a lot of games before Halo that were just terrific games. So I thought, this is Bungie going to go back to their roots. They're going to do something different. 
Then I watched this gameplay footage from E3 this week. And it looks like freaking Halo. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's Halo. That's Halo. Uh, that's ha- uh, what? What creativity did they bring? It's a new well, the, story. I don't care about they, the story. It's a it's a first person shooter with ex- almost exactly the same weapons that you had in Halo. It it looks like Halo multiplayer with prettier colors, and that's about it. Uh, well, this is the problem. Now they're talking about having this huge online universe on the fly, matching yeah. um, all the, this sort of stuff. But again, I'm thinking, well, the game must should be past alpha if it's going to hit a September 9th release date. Yeah, and and. To, and and this you, there was this over and over and over again. Very few of the products shown at E3 this year were in a playable state. They were effectively trailers. Uh, and the and, new Batman trailer looks awesome, by the way. Well, yeah, but the point is, it's still a trailer. Now, at least that one we know is a year away. So, okay, we can cut them some slack on that. They've already said the game's going to be late. But games that are due this year, and all they can show you is a trailer. And even then, half the trailers didn't actually show gameplay, like yeah. Uncharted. Oh my God! There's the first Uncharted on the next gen system. It's going to be amazing, and everyone was freaking out. So I watched the trailer. It's the title guy waking up. He's in a jungle. It looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't look significantly more beautiful <clears throat> than the PS3 Uncharted because those look gorgeous too. He gets up. He staggers around a little bit. He's and then that's it. And people are like, "Oh, I'm getting that." Based on I, what? I'm, a guy I'm waking s- up in the jungle and looking around. I, I'm I'm becoming firmly entrenched in the opinion that the video game industry is so over dominated by high, over hyping marketing people. Yeah, oh yeah. That actually, uh, that these events a bit have become effectively redundant. I mean, let's face it; doesn't matter what you did, Halo, Destiny, Titanfall, whatever. They don't need a show. No. They don't need a show for these games. These get, when these games get launched, they are big events. It's all over the place. There's ads everywhere. Anything? What the hell do they need a show for? Well, that's what Apple said about MacWorld. And yeah, the, the the whole thing is becoming redundant. Well, it's you know, and been uh, that trade shows have always been a lot of it has always been patting each other on the back. But the point is, is it is that in the past, journalists could go and they could see these games, they could play these games, and they could give early feedback about whether it was going to be good or a clunker. And now they can't even do that because all they get is these carefully managed messages that are so full of, uh, of you know, ridiculous hyperbole and mixed messaging. And, uh, you know, I'm, look look at the mix. I sent you that thing about um, the Xbox ad that's running here at the moment. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for anybody who's, who hasn't who hasn't seen this story online, it, it just hit in the last day or so. There's a, I don't know if it's playing in the States at the moment, but here yes. in the UK, yeah, here in the UK, they are saturating the TV, the cinemas with this, this movie with um, Aaron Paul, who played uh, Jesse in Breaking Bad. You know, now he's finished doing Breaking Bad. He's kicking back, relaxing, and it's all about his Xbox One. Well, no, he's saying he doesn't have much time because he's so busy now. But when he does have time, he wants to play the Xbox, and it's so freaking awesome because he can watch TV and play games and record what he just did. And it responds to his voice. So he's sitting there thought, on the Wait couch. Wait a minute, you're, you're advertising the whole voice thing. <laughs> when you just killed it from the when system. When you just killed it from the system. You're, you're coming out with the Xbox <laughs> One without this ability, and that's what you're going to advertise now? How <laughs> well, that's exactly, stupid are you? That is the typical of the video game industry My and how God. it operates at the moment. Is, is You get a team of marketers, and they get so enamored in their concept that they don't stop to think whether it makes any sense or not. Mm-hmm. Plus as well, and the story I sent to you is the fact that <laughs> 
he, he says something. He's, he's barking commands to his xbox through this whole ad yeah and what's happening is people are watching the ad on their tvs and their xbox one with connect underneath is responding to the commands he's giving them yes so it's powering up and it's <laughs> turn the tv off and it's running titanfall if they have it on their system because he's saying xbox titanfall xbox pause xbox record that and and it's listening and doing it and we should just go show how stupid the whole thing is in the first place Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's but the re- point it's is ridiculous. yeah why I, I wouldn't imagine that nowadays Aaron Paul comes cheap. Uh, uh, why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, He's I'm not sure really his, that big of a star. I'm sure his agent cut a Brian uh, Cranston. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, even so, he's a rising star. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. a, de- a deal was cut. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't scale. Put it that I, way. I, I think that yeah? you've seen the 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 depth of his acting already. <laughs> I don't think and there's you, a whole lot more there. Anyway, the um, I like him. Don't get me wrong, but he's, he, yeah. he's not Cranston. He was he was pretty good in the Need for Speed. To be honest, I quite enjoyed that movie. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, we digress. But the is point it Jesse is Jesse Pinkman though. Before well, he I, the I, crap beat I, out of I him, did, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, so I can't answer that question. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, that's I'm the not... end of uh, Tech Fan One Sixty Six. David has like a week before the next episode to actually watch. Arguably the best television series of all time. Oh, you know what? They said that about The Wire. I never watched that one either. I started watching The Wire, and it seemed okay, but it seemed dated to me already. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch it. Breaking Bad is going to be like that in a couple of no, years' time. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, there really was never anything like Breaking Bad. So, uh, so yeah, the, the this is this kind of goes to my point. And, and obviously, they're trying to... Uh, build off the hype you know you're from, gonna get email about breaking bad just like you right. did yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure i am yeah. but the, but microsoft are trying to build off the, all the marketing people are trying to build off the hype of e3 by uh, saturating these ads at the same time and the messaging it's giving is completely odds to what they did at e3 yep makes no <laughs> sense know, i don't get just, it it's, it's just the bizarre. video game industry is run by the marketing people now yeah and it needs to stop yep. i'm saying here now it needs to stop yep Let's talk about video games a few minutes more before we get to uh, Guy's email to close out the show, David. Okay. Uh, as you know, I am uh, still, I like older video games. I don't want to say more, but I don't want to say less than the current crop of games. Now, I don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One yet, simply because there's just not enough good games there yet. Yep. I, I don't want to shell out three or 400 bucks, and it's a doorstop. Oh, it's funny enough. This one of the friends I was talking to about E3, he said exactly that. He said I was going to buy an Xbox One. He said I'm seeing what's coming out. I'm not going to bother now. I'm going to wait because yeah, uh, he said there's no there's no software that compels me to go out and get well, one now. One of the big announcements that they had at the Xbox, and there's always who won E3 and everyone's or yeah E3 and who won this year. Sony did again. Um, I don't. I didn't watch any of the keynote, so I, I don't know. I just assume. But that being said, that one of the big announcements from Microsoft was they're releasing Halo 1 through 4 as one game on the Xbox One. And I thought, so you're just making your old crap pretty once again and releasing it for the new platform when everyone's supposed to go yay? Uh, well, Look, I saw some I- side-by-side comparison, 
and it looks gorgeous. But does that make it a better game? No. Well, this is the thing. They not only that. That's not even a new idea. They did it a couple of years ago with the uh, with Halo, Halo Anniversary. Yeah, yeah, and I bought that, and it was. I good. bought that, and, and I played I it, and it was really good. It was the first time I ever finished the first Halo game. Yeah, but it and wasn't if, better than the first one. I mean, it was no, the same game. Yeah, and not only that, there's no technical reason why they couldn't do that same product uh, with uh, with Halo Two for the Xbox 360, which yeah. at the moment, if you want to play, you have to play the original Xbox version, which I own, and that's one of the next games on my list. But you know what? Sure, it, it would look better on the Xbox One, but I'm not going to lose anything by playing it no. on the Xbox 360 running in Xbox emulation mode. No, nothing at all. Oh, except that, oh, fine, you can't do that on the Xbox One, can you? No. <laughs> so Funny anyways, I, I, I like old games, I like new games. And I'm going to say about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, it was definitely more. It was about 13, 14 years ago. I really started getting into the vintage uh, video game stuff. And I bought a lot of it. And then it all sat in uh, totes in my basement. Mm -hmm. You know, for one reason or another. Well, I got into it a few months ago again. So I pulled a lot of my stuff out. um, Started adding to what I already had up on my wall. You've seen my, my office yes, your, space. Your, uh, your, um, your, sh- your vintage museum on your shelves. Yes, but they all work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want just a box. I, you know, it needs to be plugged in and, and able to play games. Um, I didn't get to the point where I could plug them in and play games. It's, just, it's uh. such a daunting task, and I haven't figured out the wire management yet. That's bigger than most people think. I mean, it's... Because those old consoles, they all had those huge power packs on them. Yep. And, and, and most of them, yeah, most of them don't output. Um, they, you can't just, can't just plug an HDMI cable into them. They all output no. RF or uh, right. composite or something like that. And right. then and you've you got to get. I wanted an elegant solution. I didn't want then to you, push yeah. 20 buttons to play no. the NES. And then you also want, you need to get sound off them, which isn't carrying the video cable. That's so right. there's, there's all sorts of stuff to do. Yep. So okay. that being said, I started getting back into it. My wife loves to go garage sailing. She loves a bargain. Yep. And for every 10 garage sales, we may buy one or two things tops. Because a lot of times either they don't have anything that's worth buying or they want too much for their crap. They think it's worth yeah. more than it is. They, they assign it, you know, this, I really like this, so I think it's worth more. Or, or I paid old. a lot for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. Or it's old, therefore it must be worth something. Yeah. Not just because something is old doesn't make it valuable. It's just mm-hmm. a fact. So I told my wife a couple months ago, I'm going to start looking for old video games. Mm-hmm. And I even posted on a couple Facebook groups, hey, you got some old video games? Let me know. I might be interested. And that's actually paid off. I bought uh, three things off of Facebook so far. And they're local. So, you know, I met the person yeah. and bought them. Uh, the Sega Gear. Uh, so the game gear, game gear, the game gear, the handheld. I had one of those. I don't have the actual game gear itself yet. I've been, I'm going to buy one, but this mm-hmm. lady had like 20 games and she wanted five bucks for all of them. So Good I deal. bought them. I was like, oh well, yeah, yeah. Uh, another lady had a whole bunch of NES games. There was like 12 or 13. I bought those and I actually posted a picture of that in a classic game group on Facebook and said, Hey, I got all this for, it was either 10 bucks or 20 bucks. I don't remember. And people were like, holy crap, you, that's a deal. That's at least $50 worth of stuff right there. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of happy about that. So we're garage sailing last week. And it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. And uh, we stop at this house. 
And it's this whole neighborhood having garage sales. But yeah. from the car, I spot an Atari box. My wife Ooh. said I jumped out of the car. <laughs> so I jump out of the car, I go up there, and I look. And there's an Atari, there's a box, Atari 2600. And it's wow. stuffed full of games. Just stuffed full of cartridges. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the price tag is $35, which to me is, yeah, I'm not going to spend 35 bucks for an Atari and you know, 30 games, 20, 25, yeah. whatever it was. But then on the floor right in front of it was an Atari, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a Sears video game system, which was an Atari. It was a tar- Atari 2600, rebranded, came in a different box, but it is an Atari. And that one was $2. <laughs> so, yeah. so I look at these, and my wife finds this trunk she wants. And uh, there was one, I don't, there was something else too. So we asked the lady, okay, if we buy all of this, how much? And then her husband comes out, and uh, all said and done, we paid 40 bucks for everything. So do you get the Atari Atari and the contract and the the games as well as the Sears thing? Yep. All right, cool. So so I got the Atari 2600, and it found out that um, it's a heavy sixer, which means the original Atari 2600 with the six switches. Oh, right, the wood one. Yeah, and it was made in in California before they were Mm -hmm. starting to be made in Taiwan. So that's actually a a valuable 2600 that's the desirable one that everybody wants the sears box held a a darth vader atari 2600 it wasn't even the sears 2600 it was an atari 2600 in that box Mm. so we calculated then how much we paid for everything and we figured about 15 bucks for the atari stuff yeah i bring it home i take a picture of it and i post it on this classic video games uh page hey this is what i got for 15 bucks and literally hundreds of people are liking the picture. Mm-hmm. And one of the people, I think he, I thought he was joking, said, uh, I just bought an Atari 2600 today, too. I wish I had the box. Well, I've got the box, but I don't collect boxes. I don't give a crap about the box. I want the games. I want the, the mm-hmm. system. I'm not a collector in that I want it to look like it came right from the store. On yeah. my shelf, I don't. I don't yeah, care and it's that. a weird thing because I, I, I listen to a retro Mac podcast, and they're always talking about collectors. And some people buy Macs in the box, still sealed in cellophane, mm-hmm. and th- and that, that that's the most valuable thing. And I think, well, a how do you know it's not just full of bricks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and B, if you can't take the thing out and use it, what's the point of that's having exactly it? Exactly, that's uh, exactly comic book collectors are the same way, and uh, eh, I don't care. So. Yeah. I, I I post on there. I reply to his comment because he s- clearly see that I paid fifteen bucks for all this, right? Yeah. I reply, sure, I'll sell it to you for fifteen dollars. It's a joke. Yeah. Well, he private messages me on Facebook and he says, "Does that include shipping?" And, <laughs> said, and the original cartridge. Sh- you know, the, shipping will be a thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> it, he wanted the original cartridge too because he didn't have that. The cartridge that came in the box with the Atari. Which I've got right. like four of those cartridges. I mean, those are yeah. worth about a penny. So I replied, I said, because at this point I'm like, wow, this guy's serious. So I replied, I said, I'll, I'll sell you the box and the cartridge shipped for 20 bucks. He said, deal. I actually, I threw in the Sears uh, Atari box as well. Mm-hmm. So I shipped that all out to him. It cost me about $4. Right? Mm-hmm. Technically... I made a dollar, and I have all this Atari stuff now. Okay, yeah. How much is how much does that add to his value of his collection? Though? 
did you just get did you just get played no i he paid me a dollar and i have all this atari equipment no well i know that but if the if if the box is worth more than what he paid for it it wasn't it wasn't worth more to me no i don't care what other value people can get out of something Uh, okay all i care about is my value to me, mm-hmm. that box was worthless. I probably would have thrown it away, to be honest yeah, with you. I don't yeah. want a big cardboard box that was made 35 years ago. doesn't mm-hmm. mean no good at all. He, on the other hand, is kind of this completionist type of person. The box was important to him. It didn't cost me anything to send it to him. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I made a buck or two. And mm-hmm. I have an Atari 2600 with the, the everything that came in the box when it was new was in this box. Everything. So you got got the joysticks, got the joysticks, the paddle it, sticks. It came, came with the paddles, those old it ones. It came with didn't the paddles. Yeah. It came with the RF connector. Everything. Wow. And it works. I plugged it in, powered right up, no problem. A couple of the games were in kind of rough shape, but I don't care. And again, well, the, the games the, weren't the, in boxes either; they were just cartridges. Yeah. But you can cl- the, it's easy to clean up a cartridge anyway. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, the one that was in the worst shape was Pac Man, and I already got one, and it's. That's a horrible version of Pac-Man. <laughs> I loved it as a kid, though. Yeah, but the uh, the I, as I recall, the Miss Pac-Man on the twenty six hundred was actually fairly good. It was. It says it was much closer to the arcade mm-hmm. game. the The original one was terrible. Yep. So mm-hmm. all all said and done, I think I worked. It worked out pretty well to my favor. Well, so you've got to factor in the gas you need to drive to Arizona to pick up your ET cartridge now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a museum that's actually going to be selling them. Yeah. Yep. Or they're either auctioning them off or they're selling them. I don't know which, but uh, for a brief moment, I thought, oh, I should get one of those. Then I thought, no, I've got two of the ET cartridges. What do I care if mine was actually buried in a garbage dump or not? In fact, kind of glad that mine wasn't buried in a garbage dump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just something quick on the yep. 2600 while you talk about it. Um, interesting enough, last night I was sat watching the, the first game of the World Cup. Yep. Um, I'm amazed we've gotten this far through the podcast without mentioning the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. It does nothing you know, for me. Uh, you know, I, I know it does nothing for most Americans, but it's actually the biggest sports tournament in the world. <laughs> and the fact that you guys pretend it doesn't exist really amuses me immensely. <laughs> we, we just don't care. We, the reason is we didn't grow up with soccer. Soccer has well, never been a big sport here in the United States. I, I understand all that. You know, you know, I spent a lot of time in the states, yeah. but it still is. Given that the rest of the world is absolutely insane for it, it still amuses I, me. How see, you, it how amuses you. me that the rest of the world is because it's, in my opinion, it's one of the most boring sports in the world. I mean, you okay, can have a so score I'm, I'm going to speak to you next week. Okay, I'm going to go now. You get a score <laughs> of three to two, and it's a huge playing field, and most of the time, no one's actually running; they're just kind of walking and. And the fans kind of tear down stadiums for you know, you know, whatever reason. You know, you know how I'm going to get email for Breaking Bad. You're going to be worse off. <laughs> no, because see, I just I simply compare it to American football. There's no comparison. Right, it's much better. No, your <laughs> athletes couldn't play our sports. They would be crushed. That way, yeah, but at least uh, at the end of their careers, they wouldn't be uh, brain dead. Yeah, but they're rich anyways. <laughs> So uh, anyway, let, um, let's go to I guys. Email. I, I, I just wanted to say that that last night I was um, I was playing with the iPad while I was watching the, the World Cup, and um, I'd seen all these things online at E3 about all the new MFI controllers coming out for the yep. iPad, um, and that's been a kind of a really disappointing thing so far. I suddenly remember that I had um, the handheld iCade 
Oh, yeah. The iCade Mobile. Yeah. Now, nobody ever bought those because the problem is you, you had to put your device in the middle of it in kind of like in a rubber cup. Right. And, of course, before long, Apple changed the um, changed to the iPhone 5 and nothing will fit. So they've been – I picked mine up for about £8, I think, online, brand new. So And, and I've never really used it. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, well, like, why don't I use it with the iPad instead? So I got it out, set it up, started playing uh, like some of the Atari collection and some yep. of the Midway Arcade and that sort of thing with this thing. It works brilliantly. Yeah, it's so and much I thought, better when you use uh, – because I've yeah. got the full size. It looks like a well, mini arcade. Yeah, I have one of those as well. Mm-hmm. But but I, I don't use it very often because it means getting it out and putting the iPad in there and everything. Yeah, it's a and also, I play most of my games now when I'm traveling. Yeah. Um, so next week when I'm traveling, I'm going to be hitting up the old Atari Classics with the uh, handheld controller. I just wish there was more games that use the iCade control scheme because it, it, it's a brilliant device. I have never owned one of the handheld ones, but I've used one, and they work great. Yeah. They, they're very the pro- solidly built. Yeah, the problem is with the uh, made-for-iPad support in iOS now, nobody will ever develop for iCade anymore. No, no, iCade. So, uh, yeah. so I, will, I will have to pick but up the new okay control. that's okay because I think, and I think they're going to update the iCade with a new version once, you know, all said and done. Yeah. Um, although I probably won't buy one. Um, I've got a controller, as you well know, that I need to do a review on, except it doesn't work with my iPad because I've got an iPad 3. Right. And it will work with my iPhone. I just have to delete a lot of stuff off my iPhone to put a game that's compatible with it. And it's my phone. So, yeah. I, I, you know, eh. anyways, let's uh, let's go ahead and read Guy's email. I'm actually going to step away from the mic for a second, David, while you read this. Okay. And uh, I will be right back. All right. So this was uh, this was from Guy, our compatriot over at, uh, at the MyMac podcast. He said, hello, gentlemen. A couple of things about this week's show. So that was last week's show. Amazon's tactics in regards to Hachette is play, play, just plain wrong. I would agree they should just stop selling books from that publisher rather than what they've done. Remember, these are two different contracts, one for printed books and one for e-books. It's the e-book contract they're trying to negotiate, and it's Amazon holding books under a different contract to ransom. I'm not surprised that USDOJ isn't doing anything, but hopefully the EU will take a harder line. Ultimately, it should be the maker of a widget that should dictate the wholesale price, not the retailer. If Hatchet is asking for too much for their e-books beyond what the public is willing to pay, then they will be the ones to suffer, not Amazon. And it really costs them nothing to store an e-book as compared to pre-sales for printed books. Uh, yeah, Guy, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. Um, I think the EU will probably take a harder line with some of the tax practices been going on over here. I know that um, the EU is starting to look at Amazon uh, and a couple of other big American corporates, including Apple, quite closely to uh, to look at their business practices. And it wouldn't surprise me if over time Amazon becomes subject to some antitrust regulation over here. Um in terms of the maker of the widget should dictate the wholesale price, not the retailer, uh, yes, in principle, but in practice, if you're a big retailer, you have – Walmart does this, all the big grocery stores do this, uh, and Amazon does this as well. If you're a big retailer, you do have the market power because you're the middleman who's selling to the consumer to actually dictate what you'll pay for the wholesale price. And unfortunately, that is just the market working and um, – that is that is the way it is. And as for the cost of ebooks and storage versus printed books, I I I always imagine. I like to think anyway. Maybe this is just me trying to justify what the price of an ebook is. That um, part of the cost of an ebook is 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 about not the the, the physical media or the storage of or anything, but the uh, the intellectual property in terms of bringing the book to the market. 
um and that's why ebooks are not just given away for pennies but uh you know um I, I, you do Plus make a very good that make them actually have to get paid yeah exactly but i i think i think guy has a very good point about the fact that that using the printer book contract to leverage the ebook contract is also well it's not something we picked up on but that is also something that's not really very very good but yep. There you go. So anyway, going on, because uh, he talked about some other topics. He says, I use Finder tabs, Finder tabs, and did before Mavericks with Total Finder, and I think it's great. There are a number of tabs I keep open all the time, applications, movies, etc., much like I do with both Safari and Chrome set, uh, set to sites I visit very often. As far as WWDC goes, I like the better real-world use between iOS devices and OS 10, 10, 10, or 10 cubed. I, I looking at that. I think I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. If you look at the marketing, I think that um, they've dropped the 10.10. Yes, they do. It's just basically it's OS 10 Yosemite. Yep. Yeah. But to me, the real news slightly glossed over was Apple switching from Google to Bing for default search. This is a shot directly across the bow of Google, but done in such a way as to keep from being accused of the same kind of tactics that got Microsoft in trouble with Internet Explorer. I never use Launchpad and don't know anyone who else who used it. The, the way to really integrate the two platforms isn't to make them look alike, Microsoft and Google's way, but to make them work together in a seamless or mostly way that uses the best of both without forcing UI changes for the sake of it. I don't know if they actually did make that default switch. I know that what they were showing on stage was Bing yeah. results, but on the actual shipping, because they, this is not the first time that they've shown Bing's search results yeah. in a keynote. And yet the products come out and the default is Google. I would be very surprised if they make the default Bing and not Google. Now, as someone who owns an iPad and iPhone, I know that it's very easy to go in and switch what your default search is. Uh, however, I don't think they made that switch, David. I think it's still Google by default. But you just think it was a bit of a, of a public snub to Google by making yes. it Bing on the keynote, right? Yes. Okay, well, I guess we'll see. Um, or, or maybe you know they've got a better relationship with Microsoft than they used to in the past, and they said, you know what, Microsoft, we're going to throw you a bone in this keynote. We're going to show Bing all over the place, and they did. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, Something. maybe. I know yeah. that Apple's not happy with Google in a lot of respects, but yet Google is still making really good software for the iPhone and the iPad, and Apple is still using them as the default for their search so i don't know we'll see when it ships yeah yeah one final point you know, guy says i've done some home automation mostly related to security and x10 devices and yes it's a mess it won't take off until it's easy to install and configure and in my opinion cost won't be the main factor wireless connectivity will be very important and therefore battery life definitely comes into play if it was me it would in essence make uh, make the devices it would make it would in this, uh, it would make the devices themselves hard addressed two key banks one for the hard address and one for the number of the device itself with low battery warnings and a tamper switch have the device themselves only checking every five minutes or so here i am kind of message unless there's a change in status for security type devices this is a better option than mac address devices that have the potential to be hacked or interfered with from outside sources uh, i'm I, I think I think guys, you know, he's really tried to solutionise this. Yeah. Um, but I, I, to me, uh, I think all of that kind of networky level stuff is is a is a bit too. I think it should all be done at a higher level than that with encryption and 
uh, codes and that sort of thing and, and a proper handshaking protocol rather than just using fixed numbers on devices myself. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I'm pretty sure that's how Bluetooth 4 works, which is very low energy. Yep. Yeah. He says, the underlying tech in the iBeacons could also be used as these are low-powered or passive devices requiring very little in the way of power. Other devices like cameras, sensors, home entertainment could use a similar type of scheme with an infrared repeater. Um, license for free to te- the tech to interact with a head unit like audio receivers, TV sets, and so on. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be... Isn't X10 meant to be an open system? It is an open system. Yeah. So, but I mean, be, just being open and having it free license hasn't allowed it to take off, really. Well, maybe, maybe no the, one big company kind of pushed. Yeah, it. that maybe this is one of those areas where you actually need a closed proprietary system to kind of give it the marketing push it needs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think you're probably right, though. Yeah. Sorry for the long message. Take it for what it's worth. Coming from someone who flew to Florida to buy an orange VW New Beetle. Yeah, and that was for his wife, by the way. Um, uh-huh. I knew about that. He accidentally texted me from the airport, and mm-hmm. he meant to text his wife. <laughs> he, he texted me, I'm at the airport now, and I was like, okay, are you going somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, actually, that was from my wife, but he was, she has an old Beetle. And, all right. Uh, and he wanted to get her a newer one, and that's exactly what he did. He went all the way down to Florida, uh, bought it, and then uh, drove it back and surprised her. Wow. I'm friends with Tracy, his wife, on Facebook as well, so I got to see her reaction and pictures of the Beetle. It was pretty cool knowing what was coming before. I'm sitting there watching her status update, you know, a couple days later, every couple hours, because I'm just waiting to see when she gets it. And it was pretty cool. What a what a great guy. Well, yeah, absolutely. How did he do that? Did he? How did he explain the fact he was going to Florida? Trip. All right. Okay. Yep. So. Yeah, I thought that was really cool of him to do that. And uh, I need a new car, too, guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving a 2005 Honda Accord, so David's argument earlier about going back 10 years, nah, it wouldn't uh, make much difference to me, David. <laughs> I was going to say that then. Uh, there was a lot yeah. of things I was going to say, and I didn't, especially about the soccer thing. But, uh, you know, we don't we don't throw banana peels at black players here in, in this country. Like they do in some countries that are big into soccer, which yeah, which is um, wow. I don't, don't, there's a lot of the, don't get me wrong. The, I have I have very little time for FIFA and the corruption and and yeah, the, that's a big story that I've been listening uh, to on yeah. uh, NPR. That the uh, there was a whole bunch of questionable calls and the way that you guys select which referees is suspect here. Like in football, it's the best referees as judged yeah. by their peers and the teams. The very yeah. best of the best, and they get to to ref the Super Bowl, and that's why we don't have a whole lot of those kind of questionable calls. But in soccer, it's just rife with corruption. Uh, what's it? What's interesting is is that this year for the World Cup, they've introduced two new things for refereeing that that are, are quite innovative by football standards, which is they have this uh, disappearing spray that allows the um, the referee to mark lines to say, right, you guys for a penalty can't step over here and this is how close you can get to the ball and it, and it just, it, it vanishes in about in about 30 seconds, a minute after the play is made. Um, and that's that's really good for stopping people to kind of pushing the lines of, of what's acceptable or not. And we've also now got goal line technology so you can actually see when somebody's properly scored a goal, whereas in previous years, I mean, uh, the last World Cup, famously, uh, uh, England scored a map um, a goal against the United States, 
and everybody could clearly see it was a goal except the referee who disallowed it saying it didn't go over the line so they now have technology to uh, allow you to verify whether it's over the line or not um and despite that in the very first game of this world cup we had a bad refereeing decision it's amazing isn't it well, you can't, <laughs> it's hard to corrupt uh, to uh, to police corruption with technology and yeah, I don't know whether anyone's saying whether it's corrupt or it no, was that's just what's a bad being call. reported here. Though uh, I, I, I've not, I've been looking at the news. Say I've, I've not seen that allegation made. I think, I think they uh, some of the. Croatian coach comments could be interpreted that way because he said something along the lines of, "Well, we might as well just pack up and go home." But I, I think I, I don't, I didn't directly get that he was saying it was because it was. A, he, I think he was saying it was a bad call, and if you're going to get bad calls, you might as well not play, rather than him saying that. Well, he, you know, he's playing for the other team. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, I'm sure that FIFA I'm being educated enough on yeah. it to to talk intelligently and the news coverage here in the United States is really the only place I'm getting it. And I've seen some, uh, you know, sports stories like on real sports on HBO that's covered soccer and, yeah. you know, it, it's never a good thing. It, yeah. Everything you, I see is, Oh, this, this person, uh, or this country killed their soccer players after they refused, after they didn't win or, uh, I think, yeah, I think Colombia did that yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. And Iran, did that too yeah. or rack somebody you know what but the, i think innovative incentive schemes is uh, is part of the game nowadays <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> beheadings yay uh, that's tech fan this week thanks yeah. very much by the way guy for uh, oh a yeah long absolutely. email i know we uh we shortened it a little bit here on the show um if you want to send us feedback Anybody else? Tim yep. at techfanpodcast.com or David at techfanpodcast.com. We will read your email right here on the show. Uh, maybe you've got an old video game collection as well. Send us some pictures. We'll post it up on the TechFan website. And I will, for this episode, I will, uh, I think I'm going to use like an Atari 2600, David. Cool. Just, just to be different. I know there's actually a website. Maybe I'll do this. If I could find it. There's a website that you could design your own Atari 2600 cartridge, you know, the stickers, and it would show right. what it looks like on there. If I could find that again, I found it a few months ago. It was a post on some website, <clears throat> and I didn't bookmark it. So I'm going to have to do a search. I'll find it, and I'll make our uh, our show graphic this time with that. And if I can't, I'll just steal a picture off Google uh, Images of the Atari 2600. Cool. <laughs> So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Thank you very much for downloading this to a little bit of an extra long episode. We'll be back in a week with another episode. See you then. See you then. <laughs>